Good welcome and good morning. Sorry. <laughs> good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melissa C. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Today is Monday, August 21st, 2023. And today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 101, the second paragraph. In our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism through one paragraph ending the attempts to do the impossible have always failed and we'll be commenting on that one paragraph only. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Michelle K., the 12 Traditions, Elizabeth D., readers of the text, Pete B., Barbara P., Marge O., our newcomer greeter is Pam S.R., and the second hour host is Tamara C. The reference numbers for Sunday, August 20th, is 20,554. That's 20554. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Michelle Kay to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, everybody. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service. Thank you, Michelle. I will now ask Elizabeth D. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Melissa. My name is Elizabeth D., and these are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Number four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group, group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks. Thanks so much, Elizabeth D. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, 
then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book. We're on page 101, second paragraph, in our belief any scheme of combating alcoholism through one paragraph ending with the attempts to do the impossible have always failed. And we'll be commenting on that paragraph only. And I will now ask Pete B. to begin reading for us. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Melissa. Thanks for your service. In our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation is doomed to failure. If the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. We have tried these methods. These attempts to do the impossible have always failed. Good morning, everybody. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy, and I'm um, in Pennsylvania. And um, these, this, this, this paragraph has my mind thinking a million different things this morning, so I'm going to try the best I can to be as succinct as possible in the time that I have to, to, to respond to it. You know? and, and, and the first thing that comes to mind is I have to remember that, that uh, the defining characteristic of the compulsive overeater is not the fact that we get ease and comfort from food. The defining characteristic of the compulsive overeater is the fact that our bodies have an, and our minds have an abnormal reaction to certain foods, something, certain substances, and certain ingredients. And our condition compared to alcoholism and the implications from our conditions around the pe- about the people around us is kind of different from alcoholism. Because in the, in, the, in the household of an alcoholic, because the alcoholic gets the phenomenon of craving and the, and the, and the, the, the nature of alcohol ca- causes the sufferer to act in a way that is, in many instances, socially unacceptable and harmful. And, and, and so everybody wants the alcoholic to stop. But in, 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 I know in my household and in many of our households, the, the, the repercussions of the phenomena of craving don't, you know, while we get ease and comfort, they don't, they don't cause us to be harmful or neglectful or have dramatic impact. And in many instances, the suffer, many of the, the, the members of our household also enjoy those same substances, but they may or may not get the abnormal reaction that we get. So thinking, you know, this, this idea that, that uh, you know, I'm going to get into recovery and I, everybody around me has to buy into that was something that caused me to have, you know, not, to not be successful in, in my approach to controlling or managing my compulsive overeating because I, I, I couldn't expect everybody to stop doing what they were doing in order to help me accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And any time that I ever tried to implement any kind of program where I would, you know, don't buy this and don't bring this into the house always just led to the ultimate demise. And it wasn't until I realized that what I, this, this addressing this condition was something that was going to be my, my responsibility and my responsibility exclusively 
and that I could not rely or depend on anybody else to protect me from going to these substances. And, you know, what says earlier is that what my dependence, my reliance had to be on a power greater than myself, and I had to abandon the idea that it was going to any of anyone else around me. So these schemes of, you know, where I was going to be, who I was going to be with, and what I was going to do, they had to be, they had to be eliminated and recognized that my recovery was going to depend upon entire abstinence and my reliance on God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much, PP, for getting us started. So before I begin to take names, I'll remind you that our meeting has many participants, and in an effort to hear from a variety of voices, we ask you to share no more than every third day. So please, if you shared Friday or Thursday last week on any of our meetings, if you could hold back so that others may share. And um, who would like to share? Lulu L. Kelly. Kelly S. Tanya D. Kelly S. Um, I Hold on one second. I have Lulu L and Kelly Mary B. Mary I'm Mary B. B. Yeah. Tanya D. Mary B. Tanya. What was it? Tanya what? Yeah. I guess I'll get it. Was her. Tanya D. B. Okay. So I have Say that again. B E S S B S B. I'm sorry. Spell that again for me. B is a boy. E S is in Sam. S is in Sam. Okay, Bess. S B. Yeah. Bess B. Thank you. Okay, I have Lulu L, Kelly S. Mary B, Tanya B, Bess B. Anyone else? Did I miss someone? I thought I missed. I thought I heard another voice and I cut them off. But okay, going Toby on. K. Toby K. Okay, Toby K. All right, there's a good lineup to get us started. We have Lulu L. Kelly S., Mary B., Tanya B., Bess B., and Toby K. Good morning, Lulu. Go right ahead. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the meeting and serving this morning. Um, my name is Lulu F. I am recovered gratefully and joyfully today in Florida. I've been thinking about this word scheme and our belief of any scheme, which sounds like you know, we're wiggling our fingers together and cooking up a really devious plan, or at least a plan of some kind. And I know I tried to think up strategies. I tried to cook up plans. I tried to have hacks that would help me achieve the goal of food sobriety. And by doing that, I was completely forgetting step one that I had admitted I was powerless, completely and totally powerless over this, and that I had come to believe that there was a power greater than me that could restore me to to sanity. And for me, cooking up these plans was just 
totally insane thinking and they never worked. All my little, you know, all my little, I would sit and journal, okay, well, if I try this, you know, I just was insane and I still can be insane unless I surrender and recover, surrender and recover every day. And I think that's, I mean, I would still be sick, which I can still be sick if I if I created all these little tricks to try to get around my obsession with food, which, thank you, God, I, I don't have so far today. I'm good. Um, and that's pretty much all I really wanted to see to say is that I needed to I need to remember every day that I'm powerless and I need to rely on that which is more powerful than me to save me from the insanity of my little plans, my little self imposed tricks, imposing this and that on those around me and it just did not work. It does not work. It continues to not work. And I am grateful to be able to surrender, surrender, surrender. So thank you, thank you for my family here who understands this with me. And thank you, Melissa. I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lulu. Okay, next up is Kelly S. and then Mary B. Hey, good morning, Kelly. Hey, Melissa. Uh, thanks for your service. Hey, guys, it's Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Eater and Bulimic in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Kelly with an EY. Um, really wanted to share on this. Uh, Pete, thanks for your opening um, share and the reminder, you know, what makes us a real compulsive overeater is that physical allergy and that mental obsession. And um, that was something I really wanted to share on because we read these par- this paragraph and I just – you know, and this is my opinion, but I just want to make it clear that I feel like they're not talking about, you know, the doctor's opinion, it makes it clear that many of us do require hospitalization at first. You know, we do have a physical allergy. And so it's not that we're trying to cut, you know, and when people talk about this, um, it's not like I'm trying to just like, you know, hide from everything. But, you know, the doctor's opinion, which is it, the part that I continue to miss for years, the importance of the 100% black and white abstinence makes it clear that many of us do need a time period where we aren't going into that, which is what the next paragraph is about for tomorrow. But for a while, I did need to be, um, you know, in a place of, of hospitalization, so to speak, right? And so because I do have this physical allergy. But the reason that we work these steps is because, you know, what this says is that we are going to become recovered from a seemingly seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So what does that mean? It means, like I talked about earlier, I'm no longer going to have that alcoholic mind. I'll never be cured from this physical allergy. I'll always be a compulsive eater. But this, this book, this spirit, um, these steps, this relationship with God, what this promises is that I won't have to live in that alcoholic mind. I won't be this bondage to this, this slave, this mental obsession, right? That's what we're going to get by working the steps. So that's why I have to work the steps. You know, I can put the food down for a while and then and think I can protect myself and not go to all these places that you and I all know. I've eaten everything from just white bread with butter and sugar on it to saltine crackers to you name it. I don't care. I have to get my fix, so it doesn't matter if I don't have the crap in the house. I'll find something to eat, right? But I'm going to work these steps. I'm going to um, get this relationship with God so so that my higher power is going to give me this neutrality, 
this is where this, this neutrality that you guys hear about, if you're new, if you're in relapse, where does that come from? It doesn't come down from putting down the food. That's the beginning. That's so that we can get this connection with God. God, our higher power, gives us that freedom so that when we can go to places, we can have things in our home, we can go with our families and our friends and not have that obsession driving us. But sometimes we do need hospitalization. But, you know, I'm just so grateful today that I finally did understand that doctor's opinion. I was willing to put the food down, and I was willing to work the steps, and I have a connection with God today, and I am free from that alcoholic mind where I'm driven by that food. I'm so grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks so much, Kelly. Okay, next up is Mary B. And Mary will be followed by Tanya B. Good morning, Mary. Oh, good morning. Thank you very much for moderating the meeting. My name's Mary. I'm compulsive eater. And I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to share. And on this section, of the book about being shielded from temptation. I have tried many rules and strategies and I've been in OA for 14 years. It's only in the last just over the I think I'm like 32 days kind of clarity abstinence now with a way to measure plan which is working out really well for me and um, it brought so much freedom into my life and at the same time there are I've encountered a few logistical issues with it while I've been navigating my way through kind of a hospitalization phase and that's made me go very rule-based and what I've realized is that actually this is more and more about my relationship with my higher power with God and um, you know the, the, the clarity around my abstinence is just the start um, it's about the trust and knowing what my truth is without lying or being dishonest and I think the difference now is that I am 100% willing to be entirely black and white honest and abstinent whereas previously I always wanted to use a food plan to bend what I thought was right into my own preferences and desires. I no longer want that. I'm surrendered to the fact that I've, I've crossed the line when it comes to eat and I'm comfortable in my abstinence and um, any issues and questions that come up around how I physically administer my sort of medi- medicine is, 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 is fine because it's just giving me great, greater clarity and greater truth. I'm, and I'm so grateful for the support and the fellowship that I've received um, from my sponsor, from others in this program. And yeah, it's, it's really good to, to touch on this because you know, any kind of plan, strategy, anything like that is never going to ultimately be the answer. True abstinence comes from honesty and um, and willingness and surrender. And that's what I have now. So, thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mary. Okay. Um, next up is Tanya B. And Tanya will be followed by Beth B. Good morning, Tanya. Hi, thank you for uh, leading. It's actually Tanya D as in dog. Sorry for thank you. being clear. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Illinois, and uh, you yeah, know, really grateful for this 
reminder um, that I cannot shield myself from the food. And, and as a previous speaker said, I think it is different from a hospitalization period. You know, if I'm newly abstinent um, and not in fit spiritual condition, if I still have that compulsive overeating mind, you know, I think it's totally fine for me to avoid people, places, foods, you know, um, until I get in that fit spiritual condition. Um, but in terms of just trying to solve my problem with being, you know, shielded from temptation in some way, you know, the problem is I do have a compulsive overeater mind and that mental twist. And it doesn't matter if I remove all those foods that I can't eat from my house, if I ask family and friends to not bring them or even if everybody cooperates, which they may not. Um, you know, I will find a way uh, to get those foods because my disease, you know, if I'm not um, recovered because my disease will um, make up some excuse about why I need it or I'll just not realize have that mental blank spot and be like, hey, what happened? Um, and that's why it doesn't um That's why it doesn't work and that's why I need a a spiritual solution to avoid picking up those foods and uh, the help of my um, higher power. Um, And I'm grateful for that knowledge today. And the other thing that's important to me, you know, it says that the alcoholic tries this himself may succeed for a while. Um, Or like it was hard for me to admit that I was powerless because I had periods of control, right? So I'm like, well, if I was powerless, like how could I... Uh, you know, do that. And the way I think of it now is that like, you know, if if somebody's a bad driver, it doesn't mean they literally get into an accident every single time they go out to drive. Uh, It just means if you look at their driving history, you're like, you you, you know, you're not okay. You do not know how to, you know, you're a bad driver. And um, that, you know, is me with food. Like I don't have kind of like a, a perfect record of every time X happens, like I would binge, but um, you know, it was almost every time and those periods of um, control, which were short for me, uh, but still they were there and they were tempting to like latch onto as like, see, I've got this. I had to focus on the times when I clearly did not have control and admit that this was this was not normal. And, um, and, and that helped me kind of realize that I cannot solve this like a normal eater might by shielding myself from temptation. Thanks, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Tanya D. Okay, next up is Bess B, and Bess will be followed by Toby K. Good morning, Bess. Bess, if you could press star one to unmute. Uh, Can I be heard? You can. Sure thing. Oh, great, great. Hi, my name is Beth B, and I'm a compulsive reader and food addict. And uh, I am, uh, you know, my number one character defect is trying to pretend everything is okay and that I don't have any uh, trouble. And, uh, you know, I get dressed up and I put on my makeup and I, you know, go into public places and I act like everything's okay. And uh, this week, uh, the worst thing happened. Uh, I didn't have enough money to eat absolutely. So uh, my husband went to the food pantry, got all this unabstinent food and uh, bread, you know, occasional sugar items. And, uh, yes, it was like I was 
totally insane with the food. Uh, I wound up uh, with, uh, you know, really yelling at a service person. Uh, you know, uh, unlike the speaker, it was like, it was quite apparent that uh, my behavior and my emotions were insane. Uh, not that everything was okay, unlike the alcoholic. Uh, so, you know, for me, that's true. Uh, if I'm not abstinent, uh, I can do, you know, or if I drink too much caffeine or whatever, uh, I can do and say things that are quite not right society-wise behaviorally. So, uh, you know, I had a year of neutrality. Uh, I was ill. I, I got really serious about my program. And I had neutrality towards the food. I stopped binging, and I'm still not binging. But, uh, you know, I'm grateful today because I have food in the house that I can eat that is not sugar, flour, or wheat. And, um, and if I get hungry, I'll just fast. And then the paycheck comes. It's like a lot of people in this country live paycheck to paycheck. And uh, that's true for me. And hopefully that will change in the future. But, uh, you know, my husband accused me of that. He says, you like to act like everything's okay. And this is true. I went to a traditional OA meeting and because uh, that was the only live meeting and this one timer all timer who was an expert in the big book said you need help you've got to admit your powerlessness and unmanageability and say i need help and the whole way i stayed abstinent for that year was i made a decision and i prayed and i weighed and measured but it was always me doing it. I never reached out for help. So uh, I need help now. And uh, thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Thanks, Beth B. Okay, next up is Toby K. Good morning, Toby. Um, hi, it's Toby K. Uh, from Long Island, thank you. From Long Island, New York, thank you for all the shares and your service, Melissa. Um, so, um, yeah, so my, my husband's going in for surgery um, tomorrow, and we have all this junk in the house, you know, that people have sent for his birthday, and I kept saying, please get this out of the house. Please get this out of the house. He goes, no, you know, you know, when I have my surgery, uh, people will come and um, I'll have something to serve. So um, at first I was thinking about him because he has diabetes. And I said, you know, instead of sending all this junk food, they should have put um, a a picture of of a skull bone on it a skull head with bones on it instead of, um, you know, this nice uh, happy birthday sign. But um, now that it's coming, that the surgery is here, uh, I'm thinking of myself. I said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have all that stuff in the house, which I'm not used to having. 
And um, I hope the smell doesn't kill me. Um, I might have to wear a mask, for gosh sakes. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm, you know, I remember uh, 20 years ago. I'm roaming around these rooms a long time. Uh, my grandson was born, and um, we had the celebration in my house, and people sent food, you know, food that I'm not supposed to have. And every time I passed by that little um, display, I took something. Um, of course, it's 20 years later, uh, thank God, and I have more um, abstinence on me than I did then, and I was, I, I was going to say I'm more, I'm less compulsive, but I don't know, maybe I don't think I'm less compulsive actually. So um, I, I want to give it to God, and I do have to pray. And maybe I do need a mask, and, and I'm not kidding, um, because uh, I haven't had this uh, this type of stuff in my house for 20 years. Uh, I didn't have that necessity, and um, I know I've seen it in other people's homes for different celebrations, but, you know, I could just walk away, but it wasn't my house. Uh, so um, here I'm, you know, I'm sort of stuck with it and um, I have to keep in mind I'm not alone I'm with God and I'm with all of you and thank you for letting me share I pass thank you thanks Toby Kay not alone Um, all right so I'm going to remind everybody what we just read it was page 101 the second paragraph In our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism, we read that one paragraph and it ended with the attempts to do the impossible have always failed. And um, we're keeping our comments on that paragraph only. So if you didn't share Thursday or Friday, we would love to hear you. Um, Who else would like to share? Yvette in New York. I heard Yvette. I heard Katie. I heard Christina. Um, I'm, okay, I heard Yvette and Christina J. Was there a Katie? It's Heidi B. New York. Heidi, yeah. Hey, Heidi. Okay, Hi. Heidi B. Joanne B. Vermont. Joanne B. in Vermont. Lynn S. Lynn S. From Canada. Tamara C. That Christina, Heidi B, Joanne B, Lynn S, Tamara C. Anyone else want to jump in here? I think we may have time for another one. Okay, I guess I guess not. Well, okay, is that I didn't get your last initial. Could you tell me the last initial? Sure, it's C. Is that C? Great. Okay, that. Oh, hello. I'm. A, oh, yep. sorry. Good. Good. Yep. Could the line be muted? I yeah, it's hear a very television. The line. Yep. Yeah. That's C and then Christina J. Got okay, it. Okay. Good. 
Okay. Yes. Yvette C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Georgia. And uh, this reminds me of, uh, yeah, control. I I can't control disease. And uh, self-reliance doesn't work. You know, that self-will, it does not work for me. And uh, But I had no idea at the beginning of my journey uh, in this program that I couldn't starve or restrict and, and, and uh, um, control the weight off of my body. It would work for short periods of time, but then I was petrified as I got closer to what I thought my goal weight was. And uh, it was this dam of food uh, that I would restrict would would um, be in my mind, and then it would break, and I would go into a feeding frenzy. And, uh, yeah, so self-reliance never did work. I was confused. Like other people, this seems to work for other people. Why didn't it work for me? And I'm so grateful that my higher power presented um, a way to me. And uh, and I learned that for me, I have, my disease is threefold. So it's spiritual, emotional, and physical. And, um, yeah, just um, the importance of learning to trust God, you know, in this process. And uh, the physical part, yeah, it's important to have a healthy meal plan for me that is free from uh, food allergens. Um, and, uh, and then the emotional part for me, uh, fear, I refer to it as an emotional allergen. You know, I had no idea how um, disturbed I was around fears, around unfinished emotional business uh, that I needed to process. And, uh, yeah, so food abstinence was the beginning of this. Uh, My higher power wanted to heal me emotionally so that I could be grounded and be be a, a... force for my higher power in this realm, you know, helping others, not only in this program, being of service to people in this program, but of service to people in the world. And, um, you know, today uh, I live in 10, 11, and 12. You know, it's like I, I have a lifestyle of listening to my emotions, you know, processing that fear, going through the 10th step. Uh, 11, step 11 is like my prayer and my meditation is important, my conscious contact with my higher power. That's how I put the oxygen mask on myself first and uh, so that I can be of service to other people. And then, uh, you know, with with just step 12, you know, being of service to other people. So 12-step living is like my my total self-care plan for optimal living. <laughs> so thankful for opportunity to share. Pass. Thank you. Thanks so much for that, C. Okay, next up is Christina J., and Christina will be followed by Heidi B. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, everyone. Grateful to be here this morning. God's given me exactly what I need from the time I got up till the time I'm driving to work. And um, neutrality is great. I love neutrality. But my disease has uh, schemes schemes for comfort. That's what they were all about. I don't need to feel guilty about those schemes because they worked for a long time. They don't work anymore, as we all know. And um, 
So the awareness of what these schemes are is slowly coming to me through my relapses, through, and not only food schemes, but emotional schemes, schemes I use to make people like me, lies I tell so I don't have to tell the truth and look like a fool uh, to ruin my pride. There's all kinds of schemes I use in life uh, to bring comfort and acceptance and love. Oh, but today I have neutrality, and neutrality is, is, is not overrated. It's a damn great gift, but the disease will uh, sneak in, as many of us know, and say, oh, you're neutral. You don't have a problem anymore. And emotional discomfort will come. As we know, we feel everything better once we're abstinent. Abstinent, being abstinent is the harder thing. And uh, so um, if I'm off balance emotionally or physically, even tired, and I walk into a grocery store and I'm not in fit spiritual condition, maybe I've put off doing my 11th for a few days or whatever, and I walk down the candy aisle, the thought might come. Thought comes in. Or uh, my husband has some goodies in the house. The thought might come. How strong am I? What What is God's grace level? How much karma, excuse me, how much good good karma do I have in the bank from working program? I think every day we work this program, whether we feel like it or not, we put good karma in the bank. Recently, I had some thoughts, and they went away. I didn't even have to try to make them go away. That tells me that by working my program, I've got some good karma bank going on. I use a little bit of it, and I build it up the next day. So these schemes of comfort that I used to get through life, I can be aware of. And I go, oh, okay, there's desire. Oh, look at that candy bar I've never had in my life. Oh, well, probably tastes like just like the other, all the other crap I ate that I said I never had in my life. Same ingredients, different mixture, right? Or, um, you know, lying to my uh, coworkers because I want to save face. I mean, I'm learning painful lessons in life now that I'm clean, but that's the thing. Neutrality is great, but we have to work this program. It's a disease of the mind and our poor emotions that have been buried for so long that now get to come up. My mother's in deep trouble right now, and I've shared about her before. God gave me an incredible reading this morning when I went to him, not to the rice cookies in the cupboard, I went to God in my prayer and meditation, completely no sleep last night, and I said, what do I do? And I found a reading, a beautiful reading. I'll finish up with this, on detachment, detaching and love from a loved one. She needs to have her own life, and I don't need to try to control it. God's going to guide me to what I need to do in this situation. Thank you for letting me share. Love you all. Thank you, Christina. Thanks so much. Okay, next up is Heidi B., and Heidi will be followed by Joanne B. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you. Um, Heidi B. in New York recovered for today. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of claim my seat. It's been a while since I've um, shared on the meeting. And, you know, I'm so grateful for everyone's shares because I just, I just relate to everything. Um, and, you know, what this made me think about was, like, this shielding myself um, you know, that was, that just speaks to me of another, um, you know, another diet, uh, that was my diet mentality. My whole life was that, um, you know, that I, I had to somehow, I, I, I just remember this feeling of like always needing to like, 
box myself into something, you know, just creating these external circumstances so that there would be no way that, um, you know, I could get to the food or, um, you know, that I, I would be exposed in any way to an uncomfortable situation where other people were eating and I would, you know, not be able to, to join in. Um, and, um, you know, and, and that's like, that just, you know, it doesn't work. Right. Like it just says it's doomed to failure. And, you know, and it does say that it might succeed for a time. And, and you know, as has been shared. Um, yeah. When I was first getting abstinent, there was a time that I needed to re- remove myself from situations because I couldn't deal, um, you know, and I didn't have that uh, neutrality. But that doesn't work for very long. And I can't live that way. So I need to work the steps. I need to get neutral. If I'm to live in this world, um, because I cannot live in a box, it just, you know, that just isn't, that doesn't work. And and when I was in my disease, like really heavy in my disease, that was exactly what was happening. I wasn't living life. I was sitting on my couch in isolation and, and just not being part of life, um, you know, and that's where this disease takes us. Um, so, and I, I kind of, someone said something that triggered this memory, but, um, you know, I remember like getting abstinent and like being in a big box store um, and smelling the bakery. They have all these really great bakeries in the big box stores and, you know, and I just couldn't be in the store. I had to leave. Um, and then I remember a couple months later in a similar situation, being outside of a big box store, smelling the bakery and just, you know, just being like, oh, that smells good. And then that was the end of the thought. And I remember, like, in that moment realizing, oh, my God, like, you know, I don't feel like I need to run away. And it was just such a blessing. And, you know, as um, as was shared, you know, this several times already, like, that, um, you know, that needs to, that's an everyday job, right? Like, that's what we do. That's how we um, continue to have neutrality is uh, in doing this work. and. So just grateful today, um, you know, for for having this um, this plan for living. So thanks for letting me share. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Heidi B. Okay, next up is Joanne B. And Joanne will be followed by Lynn S. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning. Um, this is Joanne B. Uh, recovered in Vermont, um, compulsive overeater, of course. And yeah, I love this paragraph and I loved all the shares. Um, you know, the, the sentence that says, if the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. I could really identify with that for sure. Um, a lot of people have shared uh, about dieting. I mean, the diet schemes um, that I tried um, would work for a while, and, um, but there was always an end point. And once I got to that end point, it was like, it's a free-for-all. So I would start eating. And um, each time that happened, I would gain more weight. And this has happened like three three or four different times where I lost a lot of weight, gained it back. And I know a lot of people can relate to that. And the reason was, you know, because I was powerless. And, you know, I I had this feeling, I just knew, um, and I would tell anybody who was, who would listen like sugar is just like a drug to me sugar is just like alcohol for me but it but it 
like I would tell people that and voice that, but it didn't sink in. Like I didn't know what the solution was um, until I, you know, I, by the grace of God, someone called me, a friend of mine called me, told me about OA and I, I got right on and that was 10 months ago. And, you know, I've been abstinent ever since I've been, you know, practicing the 12 steps, you know, I'm starting to sponsor. And, um, but the thing is, is like at the beginning, you know, I was, a, I was resistant, like to the weighing and the measuring that, that kind of scared me. Like, I'm like, that sounds like a diet to me. That sounds like restricting to me. I'm afraid of that. But over time, I've begun, you know, I've become more willing, more willing to do um, what it takes because I know that this is what God wants for me, what my higher power wants for me. He, he doesn't want me to overeat and eat too much and feel sick and be obsessed with food. You know, he wants me to be clear-minded and healthy in my body. And that's how I'm feeling today. Um, but I have to keep working on it every single day to maintain that. And um, life gets busy. You know, I've been off this summer. I'm a teacher. Um, I'm going back to work this week. And I really need to, you know, uh, put a plan in place so that I can attend to this abstinence, which is really precious, precious to me right now. Um, anyway, I thank everybody on the line. And Melissa, thank you so much for uh, your service today. Have a great day. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Joanne. Be we'll be back at school. We'll be able to still do this. Um, so next up is Lynn S., and Lynn will be followed by Tamara C. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, Vision. This is Lynn S., compulsive reader in Toronto, Canada. What a great description of relapse. Scheme. Shield leads to a bigger explosion because I'd yet again tried to do the impossible. You know, scheming. I remember some, it's the funny thoughts that come to me. Putting a, a Danish or a donut in front of somebody and saying, eat this for me. And then watching them eat it and salivating over that. Or going to all the stores that I stopped in every morning on the way to work where I bought all my stuff and they all knew me by name and they were, you know, I'd walk in the door and they'd start to get it ready. And I'd say, I'm dieting now. Don't tell me any of that. You know, the dependence on myself, self-reliance, the dependence on others. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. You wait and see this. You know, I'm going to be dieting coming in a week later, banging on their counter. Sell me those. But you said not to, I don't care what I said. You know, it, it's just, it's incredible when the dependence is self-reliant, when it's on other reliance. It just doesn't work. How do I know? Because I tried it for about, you know, 31 years, I guess, from when I was five, my earliest remember of an actual doctor diet till I was 36, and all the 140 pounds in between. And every time, every time, I thought, this, this one's going to work this new scheme. And I even concocted a scheme in, in the program, you know, getting ready for a dear friend's wedding and I was going to change my size and I was going to do this and that, but I'm not dieting or anything and I'm not exercising to do this. It's all above board, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, flat on my face into a bag of chips I went. 
my schemes, my solutions, my planning, my conniving, my turning me into a pretzel, getting others to do it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It never has and it never will for a compulsive overeater like me. What does work, imagine that, is is the program, the way it's laid out. And I'll tell you, my program is not so hot. The program, black and white, first 164 pages, and heard by so many of our friends online does. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lynn S. Okay, next up is Tamara C. I think Tamara's going to take us out. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, everyone. This is Tamara C. I'm so grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Missouri. And looking at um, ways that I have shielded myself from temptation or attempted to do so, I think my mix. The, at least the main way that comes to mind is that I would um, be really, really good at only buying healthy food at times. Um, and and I, I was going to say abstinent food, but um, at that, uh, in the past, I was very confused about abstinent versus healthy. I thought if it was healthy, that meant that it was safe. And so I would um, just, just buy healthy food, no, quote, junk food and think that that would keep me safe. But, you know, um, life was still unbearable for me. Life was still painful. I, I still um, had a lot of fear, a lot of uh, dissatisfaction, a lot of feeling like I, I'm not doing something right, something in this in, in life I don't understand, and I'm missing out, and I need to fix it, and just, a lot of shame, a lot of fear, and that that was still something that was hard to to deal with, something I needed to escape from. And so I, I sought to blot it out with food. And so then I would go and look at uh, what food I had in the house and think, oh, man, what, what can I use to feel better? And so I would try all kinds of experiments with my uh, healthy food to to get that feeling of, like, going to be okay and so I would just like uh, try these ingredients different combinations of those ingredients or um, be prepared in a special way or just volume eat and um, I might even get some relief but then you know of course that pain would come back and I would think well I just wasn't eating the right foods and another way I tried to shield myself was um trying to get my husband to not eat certain foods around me. But I didn't really want to, like, like I didn't want to say that because I, I didn't want him to be resentful at me or to look like that that picky, controlling wife, whatever. So I would say, no, 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 go ahead and eat it. And then I would just sit there angry. And so then I would try to say, well, you can eat these foods, but not those foods because they smell too good. And none of this worked. So, um now I've learned um, I do protect my abstinence. I do have a food plan. I do plan ahead for eating out and for social events. Um, but the recovered way that I shield myself today is to pay attention to my spiritual fitness and take action that strengthens that. And um, just stay connected, stay connected to my higher power and to my fellow 
And uh, that is much more effective than trying to shield myself with food. Thank you, I pass. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Great, great meeting. So um, Tamara was our last share for this morning. Thank you to everyone who shared today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, August 21st, is 20,555. That's 20555. And we'll now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, and it will be followed by the Serenity Prayer. And will Barbara P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, everybody. Barbara P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the happy the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>